0: Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Podcast. My name's James Mawson, founder and editor-in-chief of our three publications, Global Corporate Venturing, Global Government Venturing and Global University Venturing. It gives me great pleasure to be here back on the podcast after the Easter break. And unfortunately, Thierry Hellis can't join us today. He's busy with the news, with Rob off. It's uh, it's been quite a busy week for him, actually. So it will just be me. And I'll start off just with a quick thought, which is kind of asking which camp people are in. In China, it seems there is Alibaba and there is Tencent. Alibaba and Tencent count for about 40 to 50 percent of venture capital flows in mainland China, according to data from management consultants McKinsey, quoted by a news provider Financial Times. And their approaches, i.e., Tencent and Alibaba, however, seem slightly different at the operational level in how they engage with portfolio companies. E-commerce group Alibaba last week agreed to fully acquire Ele.me, the China-based food delivery service in which it already owns a substantial stake. Alibaba reportedly invested $1 billion in Any.me in May 2017 and a valuation of $5.5 to $6 billion and increasing its share to 23% in Any.me's overall funding to approximately $3.35 billion in the process. Alibaba and its financial services affiliate and financial previously supplied $1.25 billion for the company in 2016 and a $4.5 billion valuation. The company has now bought out Ellie.me's other shareholders, which include Tencent, fellow internet group Baidu and e-commerce company JD.com and Alibaba values Ellie.me at $9.5 billion. Ellie.me's early funding came from Matrix Partners, Sequoia Capital and GSR Ventures before Foodlist and platform Diemping, now part of local services platform Maituan Dianping, invested $80 million in 2014. Ellie.me runs a app-based Food delivery service so that has a 49.8% share of the market in China, according to Bloomberg, while Meituan and Yamping, as much as the rest of the market, is expected to float later this year at about a $60 billion market capitalization. Alibaba had earlier backed Meituan, while Tencent backed Yamping, and then followed up to take greater ownership in joint business after its 2016 merger and buy out Alibaba the following year, which led to Alibaba turning its attention to Yenli.me. Alibaba previously recently taken over its delivery affiliate Kaimyo and put money into warehouses as well as investing in traditional retailers, including Intime Retail Group Co. and China's largest operator, Walmart-style hypermarkets. In a sign of Alibaba's focus on adding delivery and logistics to its core e-commerce platform, Zhang Shuqiu, Eli.me's founder, will become chairman of the company, while Wang Li, vice president of Alibaba Group, will become CEO of Ali.me. The company said. Tencent's approach, meanwhile, being to generally eschew full acquisitions and instead leave greater operational control in the hands of its portfolio company executives. Tencent's largest acquisition, $8.6 billion for majority control of Finland-based Supercell, left the company in Finland under control of its CEO, Ika Pananen and saw Tencent syndicate its stake with financial investors. In a discussion between Martin Lau, president of Tencent, and Pananen. At slush last year, which Global Corporate Venturing held a Corporate venture round table, Tencent's concern over the impact of taking majority control on the founders and executives was clear. Instead, it would initially, in 2011 and 12 have preferred taking a significant minority stake of about 20%. Given the rise of intangibles in the economy, control versus delegation strikes at the heart of modern business practices. If or whether both companies, Tencent and Alibaba, continue to perform as well in the future might reflect their approaches in management. As a quick FYI, Henny Sender, the Financial Times reporter of the article looking at Tencent and Alibaba's different investment approaches, is to moderate a panel at the GCV Asia Congress on 20th September in Hong Kong. We're delighted to have Jeffrey Lee as sponsor from Tencent of the Congress, and we're looking forward to another great event. So outside of the enormous Eli.me acquisition, other deals, one less positive I think for shareholders has been... Lytro, which had raised more than 200 million from investors including Qualcomm, Foxconn, and Kuwait Brothers, has closed. It was an advanced camera producer, but uh, fortunately was unable to meet its, uh, its needs, it seems. But most of the other exits have been on the flotation front rather than MA that have really caught the attention. And Spotify may have gone public in an unusual listing and seen its shares risen to more than $149 each by closing time. It was far from the only company seeking its luck. Spotify had a number of backers, including Access, and a host of others raised a, a small fortune in terms of venture rounding. But rather than having investment banks set a price based on those they think would buy the shares at the opening, Spotify, in effect, opened it up and said price will be set depending on the average of what people wanted to pay. And it saw a sort of a large increase in the valuation. It's worth nearly 30 billion or so, which is Absolutely phenomenal given what the company's been trying to do. So, uh, congratulations to trying a different approach and making it work. It seems Spotify's really uh, caught the world's attention. Most of the other IPOs have uh, followed a more traditional route. Homoology uh, Medicines, a rare disease treatment developer backed by Novartis, raised $165.6 million in its IPO on NASDAQ after pricing its shares at $16 each. Figure is a solid result for Homoology. Which had secured some 130 million in equity and debt financing ahead of the flotation, and had initially targeted just 100 million in proceeds. Enlight Photonics, a laser technology producer backed by Samsung, has meanwhile filed for an 86.3 million IPO on Nasdaq, achieving a rather remarkable feat of securing a ticker symbol LASR or laser. Filing gave away the company's total equity funding as approximately 175 million. Though Samsung, which owned more than five percent before Series G round, is no longer among those larger shareholders. Menlo Ventures, Oak Investment Partners, and More Davido Ventures, however farmed for a decent return. They own more than sixty percent in Nlight between them. And Alzion, a developer of treatments for neurogenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's disease, and which is backed by Aptus Therapeutics, has set its pricing at $13 to $15 per share, putting the potential proceeds at nearly eighty six point three million two. The company has a lead candidate to treatment for Alzheimer's ready to go into phase three trials and will use the proceeds to fund the further development of that therapy. Aptus currently holds a 5.2% stake, which is set to drop to 1.7% after the IPO. And in the final exit uh, of IPOs, Unum Therapeutics has listed on NASDAQ, providing exits to Novo, Sanofi, EMS and Seattle Generics. It raised £69 million in its flotation. On the fund side, we've seen Coinbase Ventures will invest in early-stage digital currency companies, initially without a requirement of formalising strategic partnerships and potentially back-to-kin competitors, while Sofanova, a VC firm, launched a $340 million fund, Crossover One, which has been backed by CNP Assurances and an unnamed Chinese biopharmaceutical firm, and will target both late-stage private and public companies. On the people side, we've seen a host of moves. Siemens Next Forty Seven seen a number of changes, including Ralph Schnell move across to Siemens Financial Services to head up a advisory service for pension funds on their private equity strategies. Next Forty Seven under Lackanath has seen a number of moves, including the hiring of T J Rylander, who was the managing partner of Invicta in October last year, and a number of others. Elsewhere, we've seen Niels Grenat, a head of investments at Sweden-based phone group Telia has moved to become the Senior Investment Manager for Private Equity and Venture Capital, a Swiss Canto invest, investment unit owned by Switzerland-based Zürcher Cantonao Bank. And we see Wade Schaefer has joined corporate venturing group General Motors Venture this month as Managing Director, following the departure of Sharon Pryor to set up a venture capital firm, Blue Victor Capital. Andreas von Victor, who had previously been a partner of Asta Capital, has joined LBBW Ventures as a partner. And meanwhile, Asta has recruited Jerome York as a principal on this investment theme, to focus on mobility, energy, and industry sectors. And York would be a serial entrepreneur. Meanwhile, Roth has switched from Capnamic to Iris VC firms. They're both backed by lots of corporates. Both these VC firms. Roth has spent five years at Capnamic, which includes AXA, Crew, Cisco, DeFacto, EuroWeb, Gelsmann, de facto Euroweb, Goldman, Despeakable, Masha, Han Air, Helaba, MGO Digital Ventures, and a host of others as limited partners while Matthew Lee has emerged at Unblock after being head of IDG Ventures career. He had uh, left in 2016 and spent the past two years in managing partner of Cognitive Investment. Unblock is a, in effect, a blockchain R&D unit for Japan's line. On the deal side, it's been quite an interesting week, primarily in Asia, perhaps unsurprisingly, more the big deals most recently have been in Asia, and the trend is continuing, and Maituang Jiamping is reportedly in discussions with dockless bicycle rental platform Mobike about an investment. Paul stiffer about whether Maituang Jiamping will purchase a large stake or outright acquire Mobike. One of the figures that's been bandied about, and has been promptly denied, is an impressive $3.7 billion. The deal is reportedly being brokered by Ponymar, chief executive of Tencent, which owns a stake in both companies. Apart from Tencent, Mobike's investors include Bertelsmann Asia Investments, which I think did about 50 deals itself last year, Trip, Huanzi Hotels, Sequoia, Foxconn and Temasek. And in India, Peyton Malls has secured $445 million in a funding round led by SoftBank, which injected $400 million. Alibaba put up the remainder $45 million, and although the figure is below that report last year, when it was reportedly seeking $500 to $600 million, the deal valued Payton Mall at approximately $1.9 billion. SoftBank had already acquired a 20% stake in Peyton Mall's parent company, 197 Communications in May 2017. And Alibaba led a 200 million round in March last year. China Chiangping Insurance has backed a Series A round for Ali Sports, the sports affiliate of Alibaba, that revealed the deal at the same time as its acquisition of wearables maker Le Dongli. And Ali Sports raised 190 million in the Series A round. Instacart, meanwhile, which is handling grocery deliveries consumers for a long list of retailers in the US, including Whole Foods, Costco and Sam's Club, has added $150 million in the Series E round to bring the total round to 350 million. Investors haven't been named, but existing shelters include American Express, Amazon and Comcast. Notably, Instacart is still not disclosing details about its partnership with Whole Foods, which dates from before the retailer was acquired by Amazon. Instacart claimed at the time there was an exclusive delivery service for Whole Foods, but Amazon is now offering the very same service for its own prime offering. And IDOS Therapeutics, which is working on a rare family of genetic diseases, has raised 64 million in Series B round, backed by its parent company Bridge Biopharma. While elsewhere, we see Mixpace step into a 63 million Series B1 round. Zongnan has contributed to round having previously backed Mixed Paces Series A, which is a co-working space provider, to allow it to expand into other cities. Tempest, meanwhile, has stormed to a $70 million Series B round. Proceeds from round, which included investment from Lily Asia Ventures, will be used to advance Tempest's lead enzyme inhibitor into the clinic. Branch International is banked on the $70 million round. The Merger Markets-focused online lender has raised debt and equity Featuring Credit E's FinTech Investment Fund, while Abbott spots Bigfoot's 55 million Series B round. Abbott has contributed to the 18 million second tranche of the Diabetes Management Technology Developer. On the Global University Venture Inside, we've seen Sci5 receive 50.6 million in its Series C round. Sarge University Partners returned for customized chip maker Sci-Five's Series C, which also featured a trio of corporates, while we've seen MacroLyde slide into a $20 million Series B round. Novartis, Roche and GlaxoSmithKline all return for the Series B round, having already supported a $22 million Series A round for the Harvard spin-out in 2015. So a busy week. Uh, we'll, through Q1, we'll be bringing out Global Corporate Venture in next week. We're looking at the Q1 deal roundup and some of the great activity there's been. So um, so thanks all for the past week. And Terry, hopefully, will be back on board the next week's call will be a pleasure to have you back. Speak soon, everyone. Global Venturing Review was produced by In Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.